Welcome to this online act of worship at St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're joining us. Do please leave a comment or a like. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find information about how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord.
welcome everyone to our choral Eucharist on this the 16th Sunday after Trinity. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this online act of worship. We begin with an opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the Gloria.
beseech you mercifully to hear the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. The oracle of God which Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and thou wilt not hear? Or cry to thee, violence, and thou wilt not save? Why dost thou make me see wrongs and look upon trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is slacked, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. I will take my stand to watch, and station myself on the tower, and look forth to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain upon tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, he whose soul is not upright in him shall fail, but the righteous shall live by his faith. I'm just going to do that last sentence again, and sorry for the dog on the background. Behold, he whose soul is not upright in him shall fail, but the righteous shall live by his faith. This is the word of the Lord.
A reading from the second letter to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my fathers, when I remember you constantly in my prayers. As I remember your tears, I long night and day to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you. Hence, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed, then, of testifying to our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel in the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not in virtue of our works, but in virtue of his own purpose and the grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago, and now has manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, and therefore I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. God the truth that has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. This is the word of the Lord.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this sycamine tree, Be rooted up and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant ploughing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, and gird yourself, and serve me, till I eat and drink, and afterward you shall eat and drink? Does he thank the servant, because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that is commanded, you say, We are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. When it was first founded back in the 1870s, the Theological College where I trained for the ordained ministry, built originally for the formation of High Church Anglican clergymen under the steely eye of the Bishop of Oxford, that college had a particularly robust and distinctive motto. It was a phrase taken from our first reading this morning, from the second letter to Timothy, in which, as we heard, the writer is stressing how important it is to safeguard sound Christian teaching, urging his readers to treasure the deposit of faith that he has passed on to them. So my college's original motto, rendered in a slightly different form from the translation we heard, was guard the deposit, guard the deposit. And this full-blooded precept was duly inscribed in the original Greek, naturally, on all the college's crockery, including, believe it or not, and this really is rather glorious, the college's Victorian chamber pots. I'm not normally prone to the sin of covetousness, but I know a clergyman who actually possesses one of those original chamber pots resplendent with its motto, and I am deeply, deeply envious. But interestingly enough, guard the deposit did not remain my college's motto for very long. Indeed, it seems to have been abandoned at around the time of the First World War. The college authorities seem to have realised that perhaps it wasn't altogether helpful to suggest in their strapline that Christian ministry was basically a matter of protecting and then handing out to people a package of ready-made religious doctrines that simply had to be accepted unthinkingly and uncritically, a bit like a very restricted game of theological pass the parcel in which nobody is ever given the opportunity to unpack anything. That is not to say, of course, that the Christian faith does not testify to a truth that is both timeless and changeless. 
After all, for centuries it has retained its power to speak in a profound and meaningful and liberating way to each new generation. It continues to address all the most significant of human experiences and emotions, desolation, despair, fear, hope, joy, freedom, forgiveness, grace, and it does so in ways that we can all recognise as authentic. And above all, it speaks to us of the power of faith, which is the subject of our gospel reading this morning. As we heard in that gospel reading, the disciples come to Jesus with a rather peculiar demand. Increase our faith, they say to him. Peculiar, because I'm left wondering precisely how they expected him to do this. After all, surely the whole point about faith is that it remains ultimately a journey that each one of us has to make by ourselves and for ourselves. By its very nature, faith is not, someone, uh, is not something that we can ask someone else to do on our behalf or to increase for us as if it were a kind of celestial rice pudding. Can you increase my faith, please? Yes, here you are. Have another spoonful. At the risk of stating the glaringly obvious, the whole point about the life of faith is that it is a life that has to be lived and nobody else can do our living for us. I first came to embrace the Christian faith for myself when I was a university student. I had spent my school years firmly convinced that religion was for deeply sad people who needed propping up with that kind of psychological Zimmer frame. But then quite unexpectedly, I had an experience in my early 20s which startled me into thinking about the whole faith business much more carefully. For me, it was a sudden and profound glimpse of my own mortality and my sudden realization that we have one shot at this life and one shot only. So wouldn't it be terrible if there were, after all, a spiritual dimension to life, and I ended up completely missing it, simply because I had never taken the trouble to investigate it properly. And at the same time, I was baffled and perplexed and actually irritated by the fact that a num number of otherwise highly educated, intelligent and articulate human beings of my acquaintance, for whom I had immense respect, for some bizarre reason, seemed to take this Christianity lark seriously. So I decided I needed to find out more, if only to satisfy myself that it was all tosh after all. So, heavily disguised and carefully checking over my shoulder, in case anyone saw me, I slipped surreptitiously into a local Christian bookseller's and slipped out again, clutching a couple of evangelical paperbacks concealed in the brown paper bag that I had brought with me for that very purpose. And I read them. But I have to say, I still didn't get it, because although Although those books set out for me various Christian doctrines, which the writers assured me were true, I was given no explanation at all of why I should believe any of them, other than that they were, these things were in the Bible, so they must be correct. Which from my own personal starting point, which was one of profound scepticism, 
really didn't help me at all. But it gradually dawned on me that in fact, it was very unlikely that I was going to find the answers to my own questions in books alone anyway. I began to realize that at some point I was going to have to suspend my disbelief for a while and just try it, try living it. So I did. And it was then that contrary to all my expectations, I glimpsed something that was truly and utterly and extraordinarily life-changing. I finally got it. And once I had received that glimpse, much that I had previously been told and had read started to fall into place and make sense. But only once I had started to make the journey myself and for myself. To return to my earlier metaphor, faith is not something that can be dished out like a bowl of rice pudding and then topped up on request. Rather, each one of us is on a journey that is utterly unique, a journey with the God who loves each one of us individually, a God who calls us both in and through our individual needs and gifts and experiences, and who takes the tangle of threads that comprise who and what we are and weaves them all into a tapestry that is ours and ours alone. And in the process, the most unpromising fibres of our being are slowly transformed into a glorious new creation. Which is why in today's Gospel reading, Jesus uses that rather bizarre image to describe how the smallest amount of faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, can have the power to achieve the most astonishing and unexpected of results. Having faith does not mean that life suddenly becomes easier. My own experience is that it remains just as challenging, but challenging in different ways, and sometimes, and in some respects, even more so. Rather, for me, the truly radical shift was the change that happened somewhere deep within the very core of my being, because somehow the whole of my existence started to become richer, more fascinating, more exciting, and more full of life. And the deeper I explored, the more I found there was still to discover. And that remains the case for me today, over 30 years later. The journey of faith is unending and unpredictable, and some of its greatest riches turn out to be concealed within the most difficult and unpromising of situations. It is a journey in which each day brings with it new and unexpected gifts, once our eyes are open to see them. It is a journey that each of us must make for ourselves. But although it is indeed a journey that we must make for ourselves, it is also very, very importantly, a journey that we do not make alone because we are part of a community of faith. And so we travel together, we learn together, we learn from each other. And when we disagree, we have to learn to disagree well so that we can stay together. We do not have to look the same or think the same to be part of the same family of Christ. But we do need to learn what it means to live in love. 
Turning to Christ does not require us to accept unthinkingly and uncritically a sealed parcel of undigested doctrines that we have been handed. Rather, it asks us to believe that we are loved by him, wholly and unconditionally, and so to follow him. And from that simple starting point, all else follows. But there has to be that yearning, that sense of longing within us, for us to be able to make that first most important step. And that step is for each one of us to decide to make. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son, worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. We pray in the stillness of our hearts to the Lord our God, through Jesus Christ his Son. Within our world today, many men, women and children are suffering loss and despair as a result of extreme climate conditions. We pray for the people of the Philippines, Japan and Pakistan, surviving the destruction from extreme rains and mourning their losses. We pray for the people of Cuba and Florida in their suffering and fear from Hurricane Ian. May all these peoples be given the help and strength they need to survive and rebuild. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Together we pray for the countries torn by aggression and war, for all of the people in fear of further destruction, displacement and loss. Also, our prayers are offered for the millions of people who are hungry and thirsty and are without access to health care throughout the world, including the plight of refugees. 
Lord God, we thank you for all the relief agencies and governments who strive to send help, that their efforts bring hope and renewal. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give thanks for the leaders of the Church here in the UK and throughout the world. For Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, for Sarah, Bishop of London, and our own clergy, Alison, Jeff and Steve, together with all those who assist them in their work and ministry. May they be supported in their work for us and blessed in their own lives. We pray for those regions in the world where people of faith and others are persecuted, that they may gain consolation from your love and protection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask for comfort for those in need of care, who are suffering in body or mind, for those who care for them, that they receive strength through your infinite grace. We pray for the souls of those that have died, whose souls are now at rest and in peace. Lord God, we know that you will embrace those who grieve through the Holy Spirit and by the love of those around them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you for bringing us all together in this Church of St Bride and for all those worldwide who share in our praise in your name. We thank you for the gift of music, for Robert, our Director of Music, for Matthew, our Organist, and all the scholars who have passed through their care. We thank you for our, our choir, for the joy they bring and share with us. May they be blessed with all good things in their lives and with their families and friends. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, we pray for all those in positions of influence and power throughout the world, together with those who advise and influence them, that they may know the wisdom of the prophets and take as an example of the life of Jesus Christ, your Son, for the well-being and progress of all mankind and for the care of our planet, your creation. Merciful Father, Accept these prayers. these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom. And with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. 
Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed from his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him, and he Let us pray. Almighty God, you have taught us through your Son that love is the fulfilling of the law. Grant that we may love you with our whole heart and our neighbours as ourselves. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Amen. 
peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.